Hey, welcome to the Agency Blueprint, the podcast for agency owners looking to explore strategies for scaling a truly profitable agency, reducing stress, and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, business coach and contract CFO to agencies. To download a free copy of my international best-selling book, The Agency Blueprint, go to creativeagencysuccess.com. Hey everyone, today we have Charlotte Mardari. She founded Caffeine to kickstart growth for ambitious design businesses with actionable, affordable, and results-focused resources that make them visible and desirable to their dream clients. Prior to founding Caffeine, she served as a marketing director at a leading London brand design agency, Brand Opus. There, she supported the scaling of the business from a boutique agency of 30 to a global market leader of 100. Thank you for joining us today, Charlotte. Thank you very much for having me, Robert. It's lovely to be here. So I wanted to chat with you a little bit about niche. I know that I talk about it quite a bit and I wanted to hear what your thoughts are on selecting a niche and how it can have an effect on an agency. Yeah, it's, uh, it can be a really controversial topic. Um, it's one that a lot of clients are resistant to when we first start working together. Uh, but I do think it's really important because it helps prospective clients to self-select um, the agency reduces the sales process because they're clear on what you do. So you're not having to doubly clarify that on a chemistry call. Um, it, you're seen as expert when you say you're serving a particular niche and you can show experience in that, which again, reduces the sales process because people need less convincing that you're the right fit for them. Um, but I, one thing that I like to make clear with to people when we first start working together is that the outbound campaign that you put into place can be very niche, but your online presence, very open and appealing to many different demographics and industries. This way you can switch turf and you can A-B test audiences and propositions to allow you to double down on those you're enjoying. You feel you bring most value to, you feel most natural and uh, the best fit for you. And also therefore the easiest for you to win. Um, but also of course, not forgetting those which are most profitable to you. So I think, it's important to say that it's not all defining. And my experience is very much that you'll get off niche prospects coming in anyhow, people who your message appeals to, who your method of doing things appeals to, and they'll come in and they'll almost be apologetic. They'll be like, I know you normally only work with X, but I really like this bit and could we work together? And, and that's wonderful because you know which bit of the message is really hitting home to a broader audience, which is, uh, is gold dust to allow you to build a proposition of future for your own business. There was a, a couple of things that really resonated with me to start off with was, was value, right? So you're talking about being able to provide more value to the clients when you select a niche as well, being able to understand exactly how that consumer, that target market for your client also responds so that you're able to generate more regular results, which I think is so incredibly important. And, and then having people actually reaching out, I see that more often than not, where you have someone saying, hey, yeah, exactly. I know that you work typically with this type of business or with this type of client, but please help me too, right? So it actually ends up drawing a whole lot more business and agency owners feel like it's limiting, but it actually widens the amount of business that you're able to do. And I think it's it's phenomenal. And almost reverses that sales call in the, you know, the last example, because they're almost, you're interviewing them, <laughs> which can feel really obscure when you're used to being the seller um and you know it's a very pleasant experience so yeah to be recommended absolutely i agree <laughs> um so once a client has a good understanding of their target client persona what is the best way to target um and identify how to target them 
Um, so I'd look at the pattern of your previous clients, um, and by that I mean financially, which obviously I think you, you're much more expert on than I am, but was something that a uh, process that I went through with an external consultant when I was heading up marketing at, at quite a large agency and was um, revolutionary to me in terms of just looking at what's worked in the past. It's so obvious, but sometimes we um, mentally think we've seen patterns that financially don't play out. So sitting down with the FD, going through what's actually worked in the past, then on a more uh, kind of a holistic side of things, looking at the job titles of the people who are the actual decision makers who actually hired you, looking at the geography, the industries, the stages of business that those um, most profitable clients had in common. Um, is there a shared challenge that they tend to be facing? And then what I recommend doing is looking at, um, I use LinkedIn Sales Navigator. So in the UK, that's 600 pounds a year. I mean, it's not like an absolute bank breaking uh, piece of software to use. And I just find that the absolute quickest way to um, use these factors that you've discovered to filter down a list, uh, a search of similar clients, similar prospects, um, and, and that be a good starting point to kind of know who your pool of people are really kind of pull you beyond the people you already know play in that space because we all have an idea of the clients we'd love to work with but often they're not realistic and everybody's looking for the same ones so you know in the UK there's a brand called Innocent of course everybody loved to work with Nike, Coke um, you know can name several beer brands and vodka brands but it, it's and I work more most specifically in brand and packaging design for FMCG which is why I'm talking about food and drink brands more than anything else um so i really think it helps to pull you out of your own head and think about people beyond uh, the obvious and you know just for those people who aren't at the stage where they can spend loads of money on this i find like a tiny little hack is uh looking at instagram's similar profiles tool um on you know when you click on a dream client and then look at the little down arrow to see who else they reckon uh, who else is similar and equally you know google maps people always also looked for X when they looked for X brand or X company, um, it often brings up you know similar um, similar types of companies. That's much more labor intensive, but it's a free way to do it. I think that the the challenge piece is so incredibly important, right? Making sure that you have your agency's services aligned to the challenge that's actually being solved, and understanding hey who really truly benefits from this, and actually recognizing what what I see happen so frequently with agencies is that they think that they are somehow commoditized or that anyone can do it. And really, you're the expert. You're something that that business really needs, and you're solving a challenge that they really need to solve. And when you have that understanding that and you're able to connect and actually have both your agency and that prospect client and have those goals actually meet together, it's so incredibly important when you look at it from the lens of that prospect, you're able to really bring your agency and that prospect together in a, in a whole more bigger, more meaningful way. I, I just, I couldn't agree more. And um, my clients get so sick of me telling them to always be proving return on investment, always be demonstrating client testimonials, always be listening to the challenges that you're hearing again and again, and then recycle those in terms of the content you're producing, in terms of thought leadership, um, the talks that you're producing for um, industry events. It should all be centered around what the client's commercial challenge is, because then Again, it comes back to them be, it being easier for them to self-select you when when they, you do become noticeable to them. Absolutely. I mean, so 
when now you're you're in a place where you have an understanding of exactly who you're wanting to target now, um, you're using Sales Navigator, you understand what that persona is, what sort of other items would you suggest to them when actually putting together that target list? Is there anything else that you think that should be thought about? Yeah, there's some real, um, seems really obvious on reflection, but then just just thinking about the psychology of the person who's buying. So uh, in, in the industry I operate in, clients tend to have a lifespan of 24 months to 36 months in the marketing director yep. role at food and drink brands. So you know, and, and invariably design tends to be the one thing that they can shake up really quickly, or at least they think they can. <laughs> uh, and so it tends to be something that a piece of work they commission quite soon into the role. So another factor I always use is um, who's moved to that role within the last 90 days um, and then expanding that out to a year um, beyond. This is just, you know, really narrowing it down much further. And again, using Sales Navigator, not getting more complex than that. Um, but also um, it's really important to just look for any further verification that they are a, a decision maker before you um, before you get to you know too deep into a conversation with them. Um, then you need to confirm that they're budget holding. Um, another thing that is just absolutely game changing. Sometimes. So I'm working with a client at the moment. They work in various aspects of uh, tech, so property tech, fintech. Um, they're a digital agency and insurance tech as well. And when it comes to insurance or legal tech, which are two of the areas we're looking at, um, you know, they know they work with clients who are uh, scaling at this point. So they're not startups, they're scaling. They tend to be on, you know, beyond uh, Series A funding. Um, so they're between 11 and 50 people generally. But the problem is there's loads of legal and insurance firms who are between 11 and 50 people and have been around for, you know, 50 years plus and have no ambition to grow. So it's been really hard to narrow those down further. One tool that we have used um, really successfully is uh, groups that people might be in. So if you find a really influential um, LinkedIn group uh, that deals with a particular area, so, you know, for example, tech's amazing with this. There's so many fintech groups, et cetera, and you find a really good quality one where the right people are, and then put that in as a factor to narrow down the search further. That can be a really good way of getting into the crooks of the people who operate within the kind of um, business that has the mentality you know you can work with. That's awesome. Lots of nuggets of good advice there. Um, wanted to, I've been noticing, and I wanted to hear about your experience with this. I know that a lot of agencies have these dreams of working with, like you were talking about the Coca-Colas of the world, these large enterprise clients. Mm -hmm. And I was having a conversation with a client recently about the fact that how much should a brand be spending on this type of advertising, right? And so it should be, let's say that it should be $100,000 a year is the amount that they're wanting to sell on an average client. And so that should be about 3% of their marketing budget. Then the, you really the size of the, the company should be in that 25 to 50 million annual revenue range. And they're seeking these large multi-billion dollar enterprise clients is that something that you think that agencies should really be focusing on these big whale clients rather than actually who they can help um, actually grow and serve and have true partnership relationships with? I think it really changes and what your it depends on what your intention for your agency is. I uh, work with a lot of agencies who aren't necessarily focused on being the biggest, um, either in, in terms of size or even potentially revenue. Um, they're more guided by the quality of the work and the aim of the client. Now, I'm never going to encourage somebody to 
limit their revenue. I always think it's, you know, it's very important to be encouraging them to be ambitious about that. But certainly in terms of the scale of the company, I think it's important to be, uh, to consider whether you want to be an employer and be spending a lot of your time managing a, a big company. And let's be honest, like if you're going to be w- working with one of those big whales and you're going to need to scale up as an agency in order to, to deliver um, so I think you should be guided by the kind of agency you want to be, the kind of a- environment you want to be in. I don't think bigger is always best, to be honest with you. Uh, and a lot of my clients see greater revenue from building a long-term partnership with the, the companies that they do work with and building a retainer model. So they're not dependent on quick wins and quick fixes and then moving on to the next thing. They've got really nice uh, I don't know, MMRR would be the right re- right term for it in this industry, but you know, th- there's returning revenue from one client rather than a quick turnover. Uh, it shouldn't be overlooked. I think there's um, huge opportunity to grow profit in that way as well. Absolutely. Uh, what are your thoughts about geography and does it really play a factor for agencies and where they should be going out to target and position themselves? Well, I think the last year has given people a real break, um, particularly on this small island of the UK. Uh, You know, also some barriers have been lifted or put down for us, depending on how you view Brexit. (laughs) Um, But without getting into that too much, uh, I, I, I do think it's, it's, it poses a really interesting challenge. I mean, look, coming back to the kind of the heartland of the agencies that I've typically worked with in the past, and that's really expanding at the moment, but they do tend to be within brand packaging design, which is by nature print, and uh, that's CMYK, and that's very much a, a print as a print process, and that's very much presenting work face to face with the clients. And they've always had this really, and it, I always thought it was quite archaic, and it wasn't necessary. All those agencies tend to be based in central London, W1, within a very very small area with these exceptionally high overheads to have these super flashy studios, and of course that gets fed back to the client. So. Uh, there was a bit of backlash coming around uh, about from clients uh, around overheads already. Um, and then COVID happened and suddenly it didn't matter really where your agency was, um, which has really uh, leveled the playing field for a lot of more boutique or non-metropolitan uh, agencies, which I, I really welcome, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but I, so I think it geography should play a factor if presenting in person is going to be on the agenda for your business again soon when the world starts returning to normality. But um, I think people should also regard what you might perceive as an agency as a negative about your location or any other factor, to be honest, and think about how that might appeal to a prospect. So for example, and I can't speak for the US, but certainly in the UK, there's a big north-south divide. I live in the south, but I'm actually from the north of the UK. And, you know, people in the south tend to think that, uh, Electricity hasn't made it to the north of the UK. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> a bit of an archaic Very way London of centric for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And um, and so uh, traditionally, northern uh, or, or kind of further up north in Scotland, um, companies had to go to London for their creative suppliers. And a lot of them were quite resistant to that because, uh, you know, as, as a brand, they were maybe pushing the sense of pride about their locality. So I think, you know, this, this, some Northern agencies perhaps always felt that they were at a disadvantage because they were in Leeds or Manchester or Edinburgh. And now all of a sudden that's a point of pride um, as geography has been lifted as a, as a barrier. So um, yeah, always try and flip it on its head and see where the positive is and play to that. Awesome. 
Um, switching from having physical geography to maybe digital space, um, what sort of case studies and things do you suggest typically for an agency to have on their website to position them as best as possible for inbound and for conversion? Well, I so at the stage where an agency is quite young and they maybe don't have that much work yet, I'd encourage them to get as much there as, up there as possible. But my only caveat to... Um, uh, a case study being on the website is that you've got results in a client quote um, and I, I have a very strict rule with my clients that if you don't have results in a client quote it should not be on your website um, and a lot of them push back on that but the reality is for me your website is a way of demonstrating your prospective clients peer approval um, and it doesn't matter really what you say about yourself they're going to be looking for supporting evidence around that so Case studies, I th really think, should focus on uh, results and a testimonial. Also should focus on the client's commercial objective at the time of the brief, because I think way too many agencies gloss over that and talk about the aesthetic aspect of the brief rather than what was the, you know, the guiding business challenge that, that pushed that brief to that agency. Uh, I've had many an argument with an exec creative director about why <laughs> they're working on a project and the fact that it's not just about making it beautiful um so yeah really that's my only caveat as of course as you, as you get larger and you've got a, a wide variety of work to show then uh, i think it's about keeping it fresh and about keeping it relevant to the people you're targeting at that moment in time so going back to the initial question that we discussed um you know you can't be everything to everyone but if you know for example that you're targeting uh soft drinks and confectionery um, in the next quarter, then maybe have a, a, an, an angle to that um, on your site, you know, if you've got a big portfolio of work to play uh, to show off. Um, and that could be as simple as toggling things on and off display, depending on, uh, you know, what time of year it is, if you've got the uh, marketing capabilities to be able to do that. I, I think that's great. I mean, it sounds like in a couple instances, we've lived a, a lot of the same life. In, in that regard. Uh, one of the, the interesting sort of kickbacks I get with that results-oriented case study piece is, well, the clients don't give us the data. Um, what do you give advice to agencies that are suggesting that type of thing or having issues with showing what results they are creative and saying that the work should speak for itself type of mentality? I don't have a lot of time for it, to be honest with you. Um, and it doesn't win me many fans. So uh, actually, the, rather than going to the depths of it, there are uh, two or three resources on the site, uh, blog posts that I've written on the basis of being asked this question a lot, which I'll share with you. And you know, feel free to add in the show notes if that's going to be useful, um, with very practical things that people can uh, pick out and um, you know put into uh, practice. Something else came up this week, actually, that so a digital agency that I've just started working with, but I was doing some competitor research before we had our kickoff session and one of their clients um, instead, so they are a digital agency, they're quite trendy, they're in Shoreditch in London, so it's, it's like Silicon Roundabout area, but also has an edge of ultra trend and uh, but they want to work with more big corporate clients, clearly because of the budget and the scale of the, the projects and uh, their um, desire to grow as uh, the size of their company. Uh, so they're working with a huge, um, huge companies here, huge insurance company called Go Compare. They're working with a huge uh, private healthcare provider called Bupa, 
Um, and instead of showing results for those projects, uh, possibly because they don't have them yet, they use what I would normally use at the, at the top section, like picking out um, in the case study uh, results and then repeating them further down at the bottom of the case study in, in a different font or a bolder font or something that makes it much more noticeable. They'd actually used the scale of the project. So they talked about the number of stakeholders involved. They talked about the number of, uh, it was, uh, so the boot, for example, was for private dentists specifically. So they talked about the fact that there were over 3000 uh, dentists involved in that project. and. Uh, individual practices and then there was another figure as well and I thought that was really interesting because it wasn't results but it was supporting uh, the fact that they have the capability to work with huge corporate companies even though they look like this trendy bearded startup uh, down in uh, the, the the fancy um, part of London. Um, so a lot of what I, I find really important when it comes to being able to grow an agency is is actually being that expert in the space and, and raising your profile in um, being in front of those prospect clients. So what sort of things do you think are important around raising your profile and why do you think it's important? Um, so I, it's really important. I mean, I don't think it's the most important thing to address immediately if you've got a desperate need for new business conversations. Uh, but any outbound new business campaign that you are doing will have greater resonance and effect if it's accompanied by um, one publicity. So by one publicity, I mean uh, events that earned uh, media, so to speak, events you've spoken at, publications who've published your work on an opinion, uh, any awards that you've won. Uh, it'll feel more like kismet when uh, you've got in contact with somebody because all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, Charlotte got in contact with me and then all of a sudden I see her there and then she's she's winning an award there and she's talking to me on a podcast here and uh it'll it it'll be hard to to recede from their mind so I, I think that's really why it's important um and in terms of what it consists of broadly speaking those those are the the points that you should touch upon so awards uh speaking at a, so winning winning the right awards and you know thinking back to ROI and um results focus i really encourage clients to enter awards that are not judged subjectively uh, especially at the start of their um, award career they really focus on those that prove roi and effectiveness so i think it's super important because for so many clients procurement departments the bigger clients it's become a hygiene factor to win certain um effectiveness awards in order to demonstrate they are the kind of agency who understands how to generate um commercial value from uh, a what's effectively an aesthetically led project um yeah and uh yep so speaking at events client events um generating press for the the really the projects that you're proud of gaining thought leadership by which i mean having your opinion uh published in the in the your client's vertical trade press and when i say opinion not just any opinion but opinions and actionable insights based on the challenges that you know your prospective clients are facing so thinking again back through the lens of that client what's going on for them right now could it be you know a big thing in the uk over the past five years has been sugar tax um which the government's imposed on a lot of uh less uh healthy products and which has been a huge thing within the fmcg sector to combat um and, and so yeah so really the only other thing to mention is your online presence that's super important and i think it's actually 
important to address your online presence before you start any outbound campaign because what people will normally do is have a little stalk around the internet and check you out so you just need to make sure that everything's tallying together and connected back up before they uh, hit your website i was actually recently going through like a hot jar a lucky orange recording of the client's site and they were curious as to why they would consistently have pauses in their website traffic right so someone would get onto their site from however that they were generating that lead to a landing page and they weren't immediately getting the conversion someone would leave and go somewhere else and my comment was they're, they're googling you they're checking to see what's online <laughs> right where are you why are you important should i actually care what this page is telling me is it true right so i think yes i i believe 100 it's so important um when you're actually thinking about raising your profile and being able to do that what sort of types of content um, would you suggest that agencies are actually putting out there? Um, so I'd say hold, so think about any commercial challenges that your prospects facing. Think about where you can offer experience, insights, solutions, and guidance. And I, I really like to encourage people to think about, uh, not just where you can offer opinion, but where you can guide them. And so they already feel like they're in a safe set of hands. So I hate the word listicle, but just make sure that you, you know, you're leaving them with some points, some takeaways that they can really think about and, and go and start prompting themselves to take it further and perhaps get in contact with you when the time's right. Um, I also encourage people not to uh, get too lengthy. I mean, you know that attention spans are shortening, so don't feel the need to write an essay on this. It, you know, 800 words is often sufficient. Um, and, you know, I think the old adage of if I'd had more time, I'd have written a shorter letter really plays true here. You know, I think it's it's really important that you aim to be concise um, and uh, leave them wanting more so they get in contact with you. Awesome. That's uh, some great advice. So one of the things about content and while content is key, it is also very time consuming. Right. So what sort mm -hmm. of things would you suggest for an agency owner that's strapped for time like most are? Um, to help raise their profile and actually be putting content out there? What is a, a time-effective and cost-effective way of doing that? So in terms of um, content itself, I think that it's often best to lean on somebody who's had this experience before and who can offer insights. And this isn't intentionally a push of my own product, but um, I, I do think it's important to use, uh, you know, if you are looking for a shortcut on this, using um templates best practices examples and and you know even contact lists that somebody else has prepared based on their experience in your industry and really the reason that i'm saying this is a, that it allows you to understand the area better it allows you to understand how much time it's going to take make, make a standard operating procedure around it and perhaps outsource it to a junior or a va um or you know automate it when possible um content of course you're always going to need to generate um from probably a very senior person within the agency that will be the origination of it but you know when it comes to um new business uh processes we've talked about so much of that is automatable um so much around uh you know for example the way i create my uh the content for what i do is i block out time and i do it once every three months and then it's seeded across multiple things. And in that sense, it's automated as well. Look, I know I'm not telling people anything new here, but um, I think blocking time can make you more time effective as well. You know, dedicating a period of time to something. And something I'd encourage people to do when they're saying, well, it's all very well, you two talking about 
what are your clients, you know, what are my clients challenges and how do I respond to them? How do I offer them actionable insights? I don't know what my clients challenges are. Otherwise I've been doing this already. You're being told it every day in the conversations that you have every new business call, every briefing, every you know, quarterly check-in with a client, uh, every podcast you listen to, every um, uh, publication you read from your client's vertical. This is why it's so important to be immersed in their world rather than our world as, as a creative um, industry, because there's no point looking to our peers for this kind of information. We need to, we need to look to what our clients are moaning about and then, um, and then respond to that. So what I tend to do is the back of a notebook, the back of a moleskin, whatever you're using that month, just use the back of it to make bullet points. Every time you hear somebody moaning about it, underline it if you hear it multiple times. That's what you need to focus on. Um, and then when you have your one day sit down to go through your content and you've been putting it off for ages, uh, at least you've got a starting point. You know, you're not starting from scratch. Absolutely. I mean, you've said a couple of things that really resonate and things that that I do teach my my agency clients as well is one that you need to make sure that you have a process around it, right? So that it doesn't become time consuming and blocking off your calendar for dedicated time. Please, everyone do that today. Make sure that your calendar is blocked off for the time that you need to grow your agency. I also think one of the things I wanted to add to it is I know some of the, one of the things that I struggled with my own content was that I was consistently the creator of it and that I don't always need to be. And it's also looking um, from the highest point of the types of content that you're creating via video or audio, you're able to use that content that you've already created and disseminating it in multiple different formats and utilizing other creators, copywriters and junior people, VAs, what have you to allow that, that content to be propagated into multiple different places. Completely agree. And, you know, the one thing that you hit on there, which again, my clients, you know, <laughs> I tell them almost weekly when we check in is, um, is recycling. Think about wherever you can recycle things, because the chances are, if it's a, cha a challenge for a client now, it's, uh, it's all uh, more than likely, it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to go away in the next six months. So feel free to, to you know, revisit that, repurpose it, use it in a different way. I mean, if you start with a really good opinion piece thought piece that is quite actionable that can lead off into be repurposed very quickly into a talk at an industry event it can be repurposed into multiple social media posts um you know a, a, read it out loud call it a podcast discuss it with somebody you know there are it it really you write one thing well then it'll serve you a hundred times over Absolutely. I agree 100%. Uh, so now we have positioned our agency, we understand the challenges of our client now, and we've raised our profile, we're putting content out. Um, so I, I see very frequently, and kind of ironically, being that a lot of clients that I work with are marketing agencies, but they're not sure exactly how to market themselves, and actually going for a, a new BD or new business um, strategy and program of how they're going to go about doing it. So what do you see are common blocks in agencies and how do you suggest they can be overcome? Um, most common blocks I see are knowing where to start, um, knowing what to do, having the confidence to do it. Um, particularly, I don't want to stereotype the entire nation, but British are more reserved in terms of uh, going outbound. And, you know, that's a lot of the stuff that we do is around confidence initially when we're working on this. Um, and, you know, a lot of people who found agencies, fine, start, whatever, uh, they tend to be the creatives and actually sales and, and marketing new business 
doesn't come easily to them. They feel very grubby in that role. So part of it's around helping them to understand that it's not a dirty subject and that you can generate sales without being, you know, used car salesman. <laughs> yes, I was <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, that's normally where we start. Um, and, you know, obviously the getting over the confidence and the feeling grubby, the emotional aspect of it, that's, that's something we need to do sooner rather than later, but then also, uh, just getting started, telling them literally what to do, uh, and encouraging them that it's the right time to start. I kicked off with the client this week. They're amazing. And I know they're super into it, but when we were doing the, the, the second call, they, they were like, do you think we need to pause and do like an investigation of who, uh, who we are more in depth with, uh, a, a uh, I forget the word, but like a, a brand expert who will go into, you know, our personality, what it'd be like a, a barbecue versus what it'd be like, a, you know, a work convention. I was like, you know what, you just need to get started. Just start talking to people. And once you get the feedback, you'll understand where you need to make adjustments and then invest more time in, you know, getting deeper into your proposition and, you know, your brand onion or whatever you want to call it these days. Don't do that at the start. Just just start, just get started talking to people outbound, get, make it comfortable because as soon as you do, um, everything else will come so much more easily. Yeah. I mean, I think that that awkward sort of sales conversation can make things very, very difficult for people. And especially for creatives that started their agency because they were really good at what they do, but didn't have that background sales training. And it definitely can feel pretty awkward. And I, I what I would suggest as well is having a framework for how you have those conversations. So it, it feels a bit more natural it's something that you can actually guide the conversation through. And it's something that doesn't feel that to have that awkward sort of conversation. It's also don't make it, don't be in a position where you're consistently trying to pitch someone, but actually have a conversation with them the way that you and I are having a conversation now. And you can have that connection. You can have that conversation and try to help that person. Um, when, when it comes to the actual new business strategy, I know a lot of agencies um, will balk at me about, going on the cold outreach and that they want to have that warm nurtured client that's coming in that raises their hand and I want to buy today. What do you say to the agency owner or executive that says cold outreach doesn't work? Um, so really, really appropriately, my sister-in-law just sent me a uh, quote. I don't know if you're familiar with the author James Clear. He wrote Atomic Atomic Habits, really great book, but he sends out this weekly email where he has like little sound bites. And she just sent me this quote. She's like, I just saw this quote and I thought of you. And so I've dropped it in here. The best properties are rarely for sale. The best employees are rarely job hunting. The best clients are rarely shopping. The best option is usually off the market. Most people think think that this means you can't have it. What it really means is you have to go out there, find it and sell yourself. And I think that really typifies it. You, No one's just going to stumble across you. So many websites are created and people think as soon as you hit go, people have been queuing up behind the ribbon that's just been cut to come and buy from you. It's like that kind of concept of uh, create it and they will come. Like it, it just doesn't work like that. You need to go out there and have those conversations. Um, and I, I look, my role has been traditionally marketing. My degree is marketing. But marketing, I feel in this sector only works if you're being direct with people and you're having a conversation with them because then the marketing the more holistic marketing you're doing becomes much more noticeable um, and, and helps to build, build bridges in the sales process to start working with people much sooner. Um, so I'd say 
it's a load of rubbish it definitely definitely works and you need to do it if you if you're re resisting it it probably means you need to do it uh, well yes please do look at exactly how you can do some cold outreach and actually grow the organic growth way can work uh typically i do not see that it does um so definitely need to be considering a cold outreach or an outreach type of program to your sales strategy um what sort of traits and um, characteristics of a cold outreach strategy do you think make it successful well i think i know you know hopefully this will come as um uh, uh as, as a pleasant surprise to those who don't like the sales role but i think it's being natural and not salesy to be honest with you just completely like you said having a conversation stop putting the client on a pedestal and just treat them like they're human to be honest with you um but i think you know specifically traits intelligence um you know, yes, we do this at scale and we will automate it um, in due course if, you know, your agency capacity needs it that way. Um, but it needs to start and be iterated from something that's very intelligent in terms of its approach, um, its wording, articulate, reflective of who you are. Um, I think a successful cold, cold new business outreach campaign really needs to start with an offer that's generous as well. So, um, you know, everyone's familiar with the term lead magnet um, in the, this industry, no doubt. But if you're going to somebody and saying, you know, we worked with one of your competitors last year and um, without breaking any NDAs, we have some insights that we think will be interesting uh, to you and other people in the sector. Would you be would you like to hear more? You know, it's very hard for somebody to say no to that. Uh, and that's a very blunt example. But um, if you're generous with the, the proposition that you're offering to people and you're targeting the right people, then you getting in contact is going to be welcome. Um, you know, starting that conversation is going to be welcome to them. So, um, yeah, those are the traits. The example that you you gave, I, I really liked because not only is it providing them with value, it's a bold offer. You're very direct, which I think is all the things that are really important to a good strategy and outreaching to a client. You're connecting with them. You're recognizing a challenge. They want to be ahead of their competitors. I mean, there's tons of things in that that I think are so incredibly important and really can resonate with that prospect client. Um, yeah, I think that's so incredibly important. Well, I've really enjoyed um, chatting with you today. There was lots of great insightful things that you mentioned. And I know that you are offering Agency Blueprint listeners a free agency marketing mini course. It is full of uh, simple marketing strategies that will give you the visibility and confidence to grow your agency on your terms. Please do check it out. It'll be available in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Agency Blueprint Podcast. To find out more, go to agencyblueprintpodcast.com. For links mentioned in this episode, please check out the show notes. As always, go to creativeagencysuccess.com to jumpstart your agency today.